Today is December 28th, 2020. We are coming down the mountain as she goes. We really are. <laughs> we are coming down that mountain. We only have so many more days left in this decade before we start anew. Um, you know, it's it's been a very interesting decade, and that's really what this show is going to be about today. Uh, it is titled Year in Review 2020. I have been doing year in reviews since about, I think about 2012. Um, it's all over the place, though. I've done some on YouTube. I've done some here, you know. But I think I wanted to, to come and just bring it here and just let this be my stable. Rather, in a few years, if we take the audio proponent of this and... We make it visual as well. Um, that's something that I want to do. Um, I'm already looking at a camera that I want, Sony A7. That the A7, you know, I take the Series Two, Series Three is nice. But hey, look, I'm just, you know, it, it's a excellent mirrorless camera, and I, I I love the camera. I want it very badly, uh, you know. But when you're unemployed, <laughs> buying things like that. <laughs> Is not something that um, you can do. Um, well, you can do it. I can do it, but it's not a smart business decision because my art is so over the place. And that, um, who knows? Now I'm rambling. That was not really what the, the thinking out loud today <laughs> was going to be. It was. It was more about kind of what the episode's about. And you know, as we move on into the new year, a new decade, what are some of the things that you are taking from this last decade in this last year and then what are some of the the goals you have set for yourself in the next year and the next decade um you know for me one i just spoke about is a camera i've, I've wanted a D, dslr for about the last i would say hard pressed three years i've been very interested in them for the last five but i really wanted them for the last three years like i said i, I write uh, poetry as well and for me when I started writing poetry, everything that I was putting together came from my own hand. So if I had a piece of artwork, I made it. Rather, I took the picture and then created it, and then I did that. And then the poetry was, the moving of the poetry was so rapid that I could not keep up with actually taking the shots. Because the thing is, is sometimes, how am I going to go find a random person and say, hey, can you cry for me? I want to take a picture of that. That's what this poem is saying to me. So I had to use free stock photo sites. But the truth is, is for me, I don't want to do that. I love to create my art. And with that art comes with the discovery of the process. It's not just going through hundreds of free stock photos. It's actually trying to create the scene. Let's go to this location. Let's take these photos. Let me find something out of this arrangement that I can make a poem or two off of or this moment may actually be there may be a poem that, that that's happened too. I've went and uh, just with my cell phone and taken some pictures somewhere and then looked through a poem and was like, this picture is perfect for this poem. That's the feeling of the completion of my art for me. And that's what I like. So I would ask that, you know, hopefully, you know, my thought is, is that hopefully you, you find 
those things that are important to you and that you're really sitting down. I, I think reflection is, is very important for the human soul. I don't think we do it enough. And as I get to the end of every year, um, it's definitely something that I try to do because without that sort of reflection, I have no, I have no point to assess myself and I also have no roadmap towards the future. So it's a very, it's a fun time for me because then I get to look at myself and go, okay, I did this, I did that, I did this. And then like, I've talked before about my list and I create this list of my goals. I get to scratch off what I did and then I get to add other things that I want to do. And um, that's just really what we should be trying to focus ourselves towards because without it, you know, what are you really doing? You're just kind of moseying through this life. And so for me, I know as an artist, I want the complete control. I don't want stock photos. I think there's some times where I can write a poem and the stock photo is perfect for it. Um, I was writing something that was beautiful to me. It was a piece of art that worked for me, but I can't go out and recreate it right away. I want to take that, that stop gap out. I want to say, okay, I've got the tool to do it. You know, I can go call this person to help me do it take the pictures of them or whatever and and just i want to evolve my art i think if, if the one thing i will say and, and i'm kind of you know put this in my list too but i leave it here for this year in review is is that for some time my art has been very self-contained <laughs> and um at times i've been very disappointed with myself because of that you know two years ago when i started my instagram poetry page the point was to um to be bold to be brave and to be very expressive. And I found myself over time, because of the politics, because of the hashtags, because of the reach, because of trying to connect to people, I started to let the platform control my art instead of me. And I got out of whack. And then I just, this last year, honestly, the funny thing about this year is I've just been rebellious. You, There are plenty of times where I can hashtag certain poems or certain things because that's what you should do. And I'm just not, <laughs> I'm not, there's some poems I've, I've just put out there, no titles. I'm not even giving you a caption. Instagram's all about the captions. The, the way I look at it is the art's the art. If you don't want to take the time to read it, then screw you. And that that is the frustration side of my self-containment. And I can't, I can't, I can't work that way. I don't need to work that way. I need to find the art be excited about the art and push myself towards it. And for a little bit, I got off that track. And now this is me trying to, to be self-aware and recollect myself and just realize that when I made this art, it was to be brave, to be bold and to be expressive. And then if I made the last part to that was if I could reach one person and it, this resonate with them, then my job is done. I didn't need millions. Well, it's like now you start writing and now you really want to know if you're good. So it's this internal struggle of, am I good enough? But you know what? I don't need you to validate me to tell me I'm good enough. So I think today in this thinking out loud that normally I, just, I want to try to do it five minutes, but I felt passionate about this part. In this thinking out loud, I just want you to think about this to yourself and then maybe think out loud. Are you doing something? Because you're trying to be brave, to be bold, and to be expressive. Or are you doing it because you need validation? Are you doing it for someone else to give you adulation? Don't. Just be you. 
so that was your you're thinking out loud now we're going to get into the 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 meat and potatoes while we're here uh you know year in review 2020 uh i didn't want this to just be a year in review of 2020 i wanted to take the decade um because for me this is <laughs> this decade has been something <laughs> and it has been something to really um to really take in you're talking from 25 to literally 35 and um, I think in in that 10 year swing, there's a lot that happens every day for people from from someone at 25 years old to them getting to 35 years old. If you have not went through scarring, tearing, getting your ass handed to you, then you're lying. And I can tell you in the last 10 years, I have went through the highest of highs <laughs> and the lowest of lows. So I wanted to kind of take you through, but I'm going to take you through this this section um and and kind of a i'm gonna walk you through the last 10 years but i'm gonna do it in more of like a, a, a speed to execution way i'm not just going to sit and be stuck in the years um some years have a little bit more to add than others uh and then some don't they just put your head down and grind <laughs> and just keep it going um and then really just kind of look at 2020 and see you know, when I look at 2020 and how I look at it, um, we'll we'll end there and then we'll take you into what is the why, where we we where we have a deeper dive into this last decade and we have a deeper dive into what all this meant for me and what it's done for me. And then, you know, next steps and then that's your call to close. So without further ado, we're going to give you the year in review. Here we go. Boom, right at the two minute mark. 2010. I am working at Best Buy. And, you know, I was thinking that, hey, I was about to have this bolstering career. It was going to be this, it was going to be the stable of <laughs> everything. I was trying to leave my mark. I was trying to grow uh, with the company. You know, by now, I had been working for the company for about what you know four years going on my fifth year yeah it would have been february 27th has been my fifth year with the company so you know i was thinking hey i was gonna do everything i needed to do to get to where i needed to get and that was um that was the thought process i was very naive i was very dumb i met this beautiful woman that i fell in love with um <laughs> who is the mother of my only child my son ryan and um you know it, it you you the the thought process was it was a year for me to really keep working hard it was actually a really good year in this in the, the respects i'm i'm foreshadowing so i'm just going to give you i'm going to give it to you like it is 2010 was a, a good year was doing good in my career fell in love great move on to 2011 um, now I'm getting married, you know, but to get married, it required a step back because from 2010 to 2011, um, it wasn't, I think for me, honestly, the changes were coming of, I was working with people who I felt were not as ethical as I was. 
to be honest. They weren't as ethical. They were willing to cut into margins and to cheat margins to win. And that was hard for me because I was still a bit idealist in me. And so I remember two weeks before I got married, my manager comes down and tells me I shouldn't get married. Hindsight's twenty twenty. He he was a smart man. <laughs> um but he was telling me that the most important thing right now was the work and it wasn't about me going off and having fun and living life. And I took offense to that. So in that meeting, I literally decided to step down. Just step down. I was done. I was not doing it. <laughs> so 2011 was supposed to be something so beautiful. But then in the end, it was kind of the tilt of the boat for me where it was going to lead me into a series of of crazy events um and i always look at it as this this good versus bad effect if something good happens in my life something bad has to come from it you move to 2012 now i'm about to be a father <laughs> we come back in 2011 from honeymoon we find out we're pregnant boom i'm about to be a father i'm excited but now i'm in this reduced role so now you're worried about okay do i have enough money am i gonna have a child i don't want to let him down and so there were a lot of walking up to my son's birth, there was a lot of this feeling of not having enough money, having to really focus and position myself to be a boss again, which I was able to do that. And and uh, by the end of, um, you know, 2011, I was in a position to where I was about to get promoted again. 2012 happens. I'm getting promoted again. Boom. Um, I have my son, which is awesome. This is a beautiful thing. Work through some things with that. We go back to work. Um, it was, you know, it was a beautiful year. Me and my um, ex-wife at the time, we had this little spot. Uh, it, I wouldn't say it was the hood, but it was in a an area that was older. It was an older area that was dying in a way with younger people coming into it. And so when you have that that kind of runoff where older people are leaving property and younger people are coming into it, well, take care of it as well. So it was, it was kind of a rowdy neighborhood, but we had our little peace. And it was such, you know, when I look at 2012, I think of it was a year where, like, I got to live the life of having a family. And talking about it now, it makes me just think about that year and, and think about what the next year was going to bring for me because in 2013, 2013 suffering, that <laughs> suffering. I mean, when you talk about it, it's literally suffering. And when you, you know, I think of, I remember letting being let go on the day that I, it was my anniversary with the company, literally <laughs> being let go. It's <laughs> just like, wow, this is insane. You know, and, um, you know, it was nine years to the day. And that caused so many ripples. And I didn't get to enjoy 2012 the way I wanted to because the next year was 2013. It was horrible. It was, I lost my job, which then my ex-wife started to kind of shift. And she started, stopped really believing in me, which was hard because it, now it was taking on my heart. It was pushing at my heart and 
it really just beat me up <laughs> and I was depressed. And so here's this moment where I don't have a job and I didn't have a job for like three months. And then I got a job and then next thing you know, all the jobs came. It was crazy. Um, for three months, I was overqualified. And then at that peak third month, boom, now it all started rolling in. But I remember sitting home with my father-in-law and my son and we're just sitting there me and my father-in-law we were both looking for jobs we were both being told it was overqualified and it was beautiful getting to soak up knowledge and time with him but i couldn't appreciate it because as a human being you don't appreciate what you have you focus on what you don't have i was i i wanted to i felt like my marriage was was about to be lost and i think that's why it was harder on me because i knew what was at stake if i couldn't find a job to be in the driver's seat soon enough. My ex-wife, who she is now, she wasn't going to look at me the same. I was correct. I was correct in all of it. Um, it was tough because she she was my best friend. So in this decade, I fell in love with my best friend. I married my best friend. And I divorced my best friend all in, all in, all in a decade. And it's still tough. But yeah, 2013 was, was suffering. Um, that is the the word of that. And the theme that I want you to think about in all of this is I, as we conclude the 2020 is every year that you have been giving a test, it's to set you up for the next thing. And so I don't, I started to pick that up. I, I, it really started to dawn on me in 2019 after 2018. So let's get you back on track. 2013, like I told you, it's suffering. Um, so I'm grinding. I'm going back to work. I'm finally back at work, doing my thing, saving up the money, trying to get us positioned into the right way. It's not working. She's done with me. That's heartbreaking. I'm still trying to work very depressed. At times, I didn't even want to live. Um, and so for that trigger, I, I would tell anyone, you know, if you do feel alone, don't stay alone. Reach out to someone. There are hotlines to make sure that um, there's somebody there to make sure that you're not alone. The beautiful, the most beautiful thing about who we are is, is that we are not meant to be alone. And so your life is so beautiful. And when I think about suicide, suicide's a tragedy. People like to say it's selfish. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you suicide's selfish. Uh, suicide is a tragedy. And the reason why it's a tragedy is because someone's mind has lied to them enough, has given up enough to make a person feel like they're in a hole. And the trick that I can tell you of why I've, I've thought about suicide a lot in my life, but I've never committed it is because as much as my mind can be a prison, I refuse to allow it to deny me of my palace. And I understand that suicide is a tragedy and that's what you're going to hear from me constantly is that it's a tragedy because it lies it robs from you the greatest things that you are and sometimes people believe that that is the answer it gives them rest it gives them peace but it just robs you of peace and so for everyone who's lost to it i pray for their families and for anyone who's going to be lost to it in the upcoming year i pray for your families now back to back to the timeline 2014 um, scrambling, hard work, put my head down. Hey, one of my bucket list things comes. I always wanted to work for a big tech firm. Boom. Get the opportunity. I was talking with, with, um, with Apple for a bit, but I, I believe in timing. 
timing is everything for me to go work for them. I was going to have to move to a city I love, which is Tampa, Florida. I want to live. I will live there one day. As long as the Lord continues to give me grace and in life, I will live there. But it wasn't the right timing. Um, you know, my son is literally two years old. What am I doing leaving him? I couldn't leave him. I'm a, I'm a military brat. So my father has spent most of my life around the world doing things. And I didn't get to see him much, but every summer. So I didn't want that for my son. So I stayed here and I get the call. I actually, I had my resume online. I was talking to a recruiter for Samsung. Um, everything was good and everything was working towards it. But then they already had a job offered the guy. Guy gets the job. I'm like, well, it's okay. I got a job. Cool. Move on. <laughs> and then I remember two weeks later, my teammate, Mr. Brian Bradshaw, I don't really say people's names a lot. Uh, we worked together at Best Buy for a long time. He called me and he said, hey, you still want to work for Samsung? Oh, yeah. And then boom, I uh, get a call from his boss who ended up being my boss, Carla Johnson, one of the coolest bosses I've had. And uh, I'm on my way to Texas. And boom, the start of something beautiful and the focus happened. So now it's I'm going to live my I'm going to live something, a dream. I'm going to check off a box. And this is important to me. And this is fun. Just grinding. Still going through some sadness because I'm trying to figure myself out. Um, and then 2015 comes, which was the end, as I call it, the end of end of a chapter. Divorce is, is put in there. Divorce is finalized. We're done. And. Um, you know, trying to figure out my way in this, in this new job, I see some, some goals that I have. One goal that I set was to win a top performer award to be the best of the best. It was something I wanted. I've seen people who, um, I have a way of doing this, but I've seen people who didn't work as hard as me win these awards. And I knew that I wanted it not for the validation, but because I was the best and, um, so, yeah, yeah, you have divorce in that year and just keep grinding, keep working hard. And that's what I was doing. You know, 2016, um, another year of grind. Uh, like I said, I, I see the I see the lane of where I want to go. Now I'm creating the goals and I'm creating them personally and professionally. This is where I finally stopped jotting down some notes on my phone and I actually create as what I've called it and what you know it as the list now it's a hard copy book and this is the list and we write down the goals and we hold ourselves accountable to it professionally and personally. This is one of the places where I first wrote, I want to leave the country. I want to own a, I want to get a passport. These were things that I, I started from that point. I actually, um, this is where I wrote too, cause I said, two or three years about the DSLR. This is where I wrote that I wanted one at the time I was thinking Canon cause I grew up, you know, one of my first positions with Best Buy was in digital imaging. Um, and Canon was the type of camera that I liked, but I didn't know that eventually the Sony mirrorless design is something that I would want. And we are here today. This is what I want. But yeah, it was just an, another year of, of setting goals, pushing myself, working really hard and really grinding at the same time, saving, um, fixing credit because, <laughs> you know, going through a divorce, I, you know, you, you, you take some losses. And so I was trying to take care of that. And then we get to 2017 <laughs> and if my depression, if my sadness wasn't, Oh, man, really in a, in a 
in a tough spot. 2017 was a very challenging year, but I didn't, I, I thought it was going to be my most challenging year of this decade. When it happened to me, it was the most challenging year until 2018. <laughs> so let's take you through 2017, <laughs> you know, um, just, you know, working really hard at work, not quite getting the recognition that I wanted, not quite winning when I was real close. There was, a, there was a few times in 2017 where, you know, they, they give these top performer awards to the top 10 that I was 12th, 11th. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was almost a seat at the table and it was like so frustrating because it was like, I'm working really hard. And then the thing about working really hard was there was an increased workload. So I was away from my son more. I felt like the only times I was really seeing him was it was like I would get him Saturday night. We would hang out, hang out Sunday. We would play. And then Monday I was taking him back to school and I wasn't really getting that time. And so it was really starting to create another lane of sadness for me that I wasn't facing because now it compounded me to go back to 2013 and, and revisit losing my job and what I did was wrong and losing myself. And then it, it compounded me to go back to 2015 when the divorce was final and things like this. It was tough because instead of looking at what I had, I was so focused on what I did not have. And I remember a distinct conversation that I had after I had my mental breakdown with my father. That was a conversation that I was having right before I had my mental breakdown with a friend. And so to kind of set you up where the mental breakdown happens, because 2017 was just a challenging year professionally and personally. Like I felt like it was a circle. I was working really hard doing what I could for my son, but it was really pulling me apart at the seams because it was making, it was trying to make me face some demons that I needed to face that I wasn't. So we're having this trip. Um, not a trip, but we have this, uh, it's a launch party for a device. And my boss at the time, Lou Rodriguez, I have to say his name because he was so instrumental in this time too. He was another proponent of helping me through this because he would pray with me. He would talk to me about divorce and he would talk to me about that. I was a, a good person, even though I felt like I wasn't, I just, I really wanted to die in those times. Um, but we had this trip where I had to go to Tallahassee and I had to work this event to work this event because of the schedule that we had. It was going to literally mean that I could not see my son in person for 14 days. And I didn't want to let my team down. Um, and, you know, my ex, me and my ex-wife, the one thing I'll say about this as co-parents is we've always worked well together. And so to set you up, I see my son every week, <laughs> not not video chat. I see my son every week. Um, he's actually, as I'm recording this episode, he's with me right now. Uh, he's, he's extended his time with me because of my layoff. So that I'm setting you up because this is important to know when my dad had this conversation with me. So I remember I'm like, I got to do it. I just got to suck it up. I'm going to do it. Cool. Go to do it. I'm driving. I'm talking to a friend and we're laughing and we're joking and I'm putting on that good face for him. I'm putting on that face. And if you know what I'm talking about, if you've ever been depressed, it's that I'm fine face. It's the I'm falling apart behind this mask. Please don't look at me when I tell you I'm fine. Just look away and say, cool, 
But on this day, he had time apparently to listen to me and talk with me. And I was driving, driving to Tallahassee. And I remember I was just like, I don't want to really do this. I want to, I know when I get there, I'm going to have fun because these people, my coworkers are amazing. And these people make me feel so good. But I just, I want to see my son. I feel like I'm letting him down. I feel like I'm not hanging with him enough. We're not doing fun stuff. Um, I just felt like I was being a horrible father. And I remember driving and he was talking to me and I got quiet. And he was like, Jam, Jam, you, what's up? And I said, oh, oh, nothing. I just, it's just, I'm tired, you know. He's like, you, you sleepy? I said, no, no, I'm just, I'm just tired. But go back to what you were saying. And he he, he, I think it was enough to alert him that he was talking to me a little bit more. Uh, just make sure hey, you're all right. Like, you know, I'll let you off the phone. Like, oh, no, no, no. I mean, you can keep talking. I'm just, I'm just tired. I was, uh, you know, but I'm going to get there and I'm going to get there. And he could just tell him my tone inflection. He says, are you okay? He said, because I've never heard you sound this way. And he said, and, and, and I said, yeah, yeah, no, nah, man, I'm. I'll be okay, and I'll be okay. Oh, man, it's going to make me cry even talking about it. Sorry. Um, and he said, I don't know, man. I've never heard you like this before. I've never heard you sound like this. And I was like, I'm just so tired of this. I'm tired of all of it. And he was like, what? What do you mean? Like, he was like, whoa, 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 calm down. Like, what's going on? And I'm just like, and I just started crying. I was like, hey, you know. I've, this will be my 12th day and then I've got to work tomorrow and it's going to be 14 days before I see Ryan and I just feel like a terrible father I just feel horrible and he was like no you're not a terrible father he was you know he's reassuring me and he was he told me he asked me could he pray for me and um he did and I thanked him for it. And he told me, he said, you know, you need something, call me. I was like, no, oh, I'll be fine. Because I knew once I got there, the love that I would receive from my teammates would carry me through. And it did. I, I was Because it kind of reminds me of my son's situation now. He's having a hard time with divorce at eight. And he's going to be nine soon. He has a hard time of the two house thing. He doesn't mind it because he gets two rooms and he gets more toys. But... He really wants us all together, and he has struggles with this sometimes when he has to go or he has to leave in certain moments, and um, that's tough. Let me try to pull myself back together. I started crying on that one, <laughs> but that's the point. This is going to be emotional because I'm dumping um, my year and my uh, my decade into you, and so we get there, do the event, smash it out of the park. My boss, he was always like, he's like a cheapskate like me, always finds the best deals. Well, because we were staying at this hotel and one of my teammates, he knows everybody. He got us comped breakfast and the breakfast. I had blueberry pancakes. But I mean, it was the breakfast. It was one of the best breakfasts I've ever had. <laughs> and I mean, like and I've had a lot of breakfast in a lot of different places. Um, chef comes to your room, makes it. But it was like it, I think it was the best because I was with people I loved. It was free and it was just amazing. So I, in my head, I'm having breakfast and talking and I'm already in my head. Like I got to get back home. I remember I was one of the first per people to leave. I hugged everybody. All right, y'all be good. Great job. Boom. Got on the road. Um, I had this thing cause you know, I, I worked for Ross for a little bit. Anytime I was in a city, I'd go into Ross, 
just see what deals they have. See how the store looked. Because you, once you are shown how something's supposed to look, now you know. I remember I walked in there and I just started to feel like heavy. So I left, got on the road. And I started to feel re- sadness really started to overcome me. Like, they're not within my reach anymore. So what I just pushed off can't save me. I'm about to literally, I'm about to have a breakdown. I In my head, I'm thinking, oh my God. So I said, you know what? I've had these little moments where my, I, I call it running low. And then really, I shouldn't say that. It's more like your pot boils over. It's like having a pot on the stove and the water boils over. And that's what I felt. I had to release this. And I said, you know what? This time I'm going to release it, but I'm going to record it so that I never forget this feeling. And it's 11 minutes that I'll never forget. I have it saved and every year on Facebook, it'll come up and I can still cry about it because literally I'm I'm literally talking through how I feel like I'm a bad father, how I feel like. You know, I'm doing these things. I'm working hard that I hope my son's proud of me, that I hope that I'm making my parents proud of me, that I don't feel like I'm making anyone proud of me, that I feel so alone. And um, I remember uh, releasing that and putting it online. I was very afraid to do it because I didn't want I didn't want anyone to feel like I was doing it for a stunt. I wanted to do it to one, say I'm stronger than this, but then two. For anyone else who felt the same way, and I remember I talked for my par- I talked to my parents for a week. They were very worried about me, and I had never talked to my parents that much in one calendar year, as I did in that week. So um, it was something, but it was eleven minutes I never forgot. Twenty seventeen, that was a lot, right? I thought that year was insane, but I think it was finally me letting go of some things that I couldn't control. The funny thing about the thing when I just said. My friend, in part of that conversation he was having up to Tallahassee, was telling me that I needed to be appreciative of what I had and that I have to let go of the things I can't control. My boss said the same thing. I have this rule of twos. If two people who don't know each other say the same thing, it has to be gospel. And that's how I live life. I've had friends who don't know each other, don't know their walks of life, tell me the same thing about me. And I go, I need to work on that. It's something you need to work through. And because of Matt Lott and because of Lou Rodriguez, um, beyond other friends, beyond family, I was able to find my way out of that rut and finally let go of the sadness that I had of failure, of divorce, of losing my family because I held on to it so tightly and I blamed myself and I beat on myself about it. Moving on to 2018, I thought, hey, boom. Uh, you know, that's as bad as it's going to get. Hold on. Hold your beer. So 2018 starts really good. Starts good for me. I'm trying to be in a relationship. It's hard for me because I don't feel like I'm worthy. And that's that's a struggle that I still deal with today. That's why I'm not in a relationship anymore. Um, I'm not worthy. And it's hard to be with someone when they feel like they're not worthy. Okay, that's that. So um, we talk about leaving the country, slash that off the box in April, headed to Mexico, taking a cruise, five day cruise, beautiful woman, have amazing time, do amazing things, conquer fears. And um, I step out of my comfort zone because I'm a very controlling type. I like to control everything. And um, she pulled me out of my comfort zone. It was beautiful. 
It was amazing. I had such an amazing time. We come back. It's May. Having time, I'm I'm trying to figure out like, wow, I'm in a relationship. This is this is real. Like, do I deserve that? And then, uh, I, I believe it was June 10th. It's around that date. I get a call from one of my uh, family because this he's not a teammate anymore. We don't work for Samsung anymore, but he's my family, telling me that um, one of my dear friends and coworkers had passed away. And it was like everything good that I was getting. Here comes the bad. And I just was so sad. And I remember, you know, he was like, well, we're going to have a call in the morning. He's going to, you know, Lou was going to tell everybody then. I said, no, we're not going to do that. If I knew somebody died, I would want, if I died, I would want, I would want to be told that um, I was dead or somebody else was dead. So we're going to just do, we're going to call everybody ourselves. So we did. And I remember Margo to this day, her scream, it, it could give me nightmares when we told her. And so here we are. The year was starting good. Here goes my bad. His celebration of life is on my birthday. And it was tough at first because I wasn't I'm not, I wasn't a big birthday person. I was just like, oh, it's just another day. I didn't really, I didn't think I was important. I, people get born every day. And then I remember my father, since about 2015, was telling me I needed to appreciate my birthday more. He was telling me when I was as early as 19, what do I do for my birthday? And I said, I have nothing. It's just a birthday. And he's like, you got you to gotta do something for yourself. You should appreciate yourself. But he really started pushing his screws on me in 2015, maybe because I worked a lot. I don't know. And so we go to the celebration of life. We all have a matching shirts. It's beautiful. I write. Um, I write just a, I don't even say it's a eulogy. I just write my feelings to him. It, I just wrote from my heart and I did not have the courage nor strength to read it. I will always thank Bradshaw for that day because he did. Because I remember the as soon as he said the first line, you were something, I dropped to a knee and I just cried like a baby. And he um, ended up reading for the family. We had a great time. It was beautiful. I remember my dad called me in the middle of it and he said, you okay? Where you at? And I said, I'm up here with my teammates and we're doing a celebration of life. And, and you know, I haven't understood over the years how my dad's trying to teach me. And he said, well, I hope you appreciate life more. Because now you see how it can be gone. And ever since that day, I've carried Lucas with me on um, on my birthday, on that day. And the last two years, I've actually taken in the sunrise and I've talked to him. And, and I've just set myself up and just been appreciative. It's been very beautiful. I will carry his death and his celebration with me as something I will for the rest of my days. Because it made me... His death made me appreciate my life more. It really did. It really did. And I'm very thankful um, to him for that. He was always a giver. He was always someone who was always giving me encouragement when I felt like I wasn't good enough. Or I remember times I was really close at winning. And he was like, man, that should have been yours. You work harder than all those people. and And you have a good heart. He just always said kind things to me. And um, 
I can talk about Lucas all day. I've talked about him before in other um, episodes, but man, he was, um, he really was something amazing. He really did take care of you, but he also looked out for you and he also uplifted you. And I love him for it. Um, so yeah, we, we go through the saga. That's the summer, you know, um, <laughs> not trying to be dramatic, but here's a part of it. My girlfriend at the time, she would, didn't really want me to go to the celebration of life. She knew emotionally what it would do to me, but you got to process stuff. I didn't like her stance on it. So there goes me kind of going, I'm not meant to be in this relationship with you. See, this is why I'm not, because you won't even stand with me on this and that. And I kind of got a little off the kilter. I, st- I stopped trusting her, which trust is a big thing for me. And we move, you know, we're still talking but it's 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 dead. It's pretty much dead on arrival. I'm not really feeling her anymore, and so I just told her like, oh, you know, we should we should just not be together. And she was like, no, you're overreacting. Let's just see it through. I'm like, no, nah, I'm kind of done. And I think that was that was a conversation we had probably in September. Her birthday is the second of October. I remember I. Told her happy birthday. I hoped, wished her well. And here comes October 10th. Boom. Hurricane levels the city. Cat 5, Hurricane Michael, supposed to be a Cat 2, became a Cat 5. We stayed. Um, didn't really, you know, every roof in this town took damage, but didn't take any structural damage. We were fine. But just to see the city I grew up in, see places I had been leveled, I I cried. I cried. I remember one of the spots that I go even now to just get my mind right. Trees were down, like big oak tree down. I'm just like, oh my goodness! Like it was sad. Trying to find people was tough. It was a, it was just a sad event overall. And so the hurricane happens. I don't know where she's at for a few days. I finally know where she's at. I feel good about that. And then you know she kind of goes on to another relationship, like. Kind of makes me think. Okay, well, you didn't, you didn't waste time. But I, it didn't matter to me because it's like that's your life. It ain't mine. <laughs> uh, go live your life. And you know, I remember as I was still working for Samsung. You know, fifteen of my stores were either damaged or down. I had three of them that were critically knocked out, like destroyed, that weren't going to be repaired anytime soon. One of those stores it took them sixteen months to repair it, to actually rebuild it, because they had to level it. They were in a trailer. <clears throat> so it was crazy. But I just put my head down again, and I was grinding. And I was working hard. That's all I was doing. I just kept focused to the plan, and I just kept going. And so 2018 ends with me working really hard, me doing a really good job, believing that out of any, any glimmer of hope, that I got a shot at actually winning. <laughs> I got a shot. And I'm sitting there like, okay. So we go into 2019. I remember we're in Vegas. I get there meeting new teammates. I'm excited. And I'm thinking, I got a shot. I got a shot of actually winning because reading the numbers, I was as low as five and as high as one. So I was in that 10. I'm like, I got a shot. But I'm thinking to myself, Hey, the good to the bad. This is the bad. Maybe that's the good. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. And 
I remember being in Vegas and we're there we're having a good time. And I'm like, I think I, can, I think I might, I might do this. But I'm like, I don't, I don't know, because my boss didn't say anything. She didn't come to me and say, Hey, it's gonna be your night. You're gonna win. And so I remember before we went to awards night, I'm getting dressed. I just sat down and I just started writing um, a poem. And I'm, I want to leave these poems in this. Um, I, I do apologize because I did not. I did not foresee this episode to be so long. I was trying to keep them shorter. But this is my year in review. So. I did apologize. (laughs) Okay. But yeah, in that, I just just felt like it it wasn't going to be my time or it wasn't going to be my year. And, um... It it ended up being. So I'm going to read you the first one. And I'm going to take you through a story. Then I'm going to read you the second one. So this will be the 10th dinner. Awards will be given out. Usually your heart left in doubt. Feeling small as you aren't important. Look around the room. All of these amazing people. You sit with the best of the best. Tilt your head up. Raise those shoulders. You're in this room not out of chance or luck. You are here because of your greatness. Don't allow an award ceremony in which your name isn't called to cause you to shrink. This is the moment to celebrate all of the victories that helped you to grow. When the time comes for the names to be called, take a deep breath, cheer and scream for your peers. Smile, reminding yourself that you're amazing. So I literally resigned myself that, you know what, they're going to find a way not to give it to me. You know, some stores were down. They're going to find a way to back out the results. Okay, it's cool. But you know what? If for me to get in that room of 800 to be there alone was great because like I, I used to tell my teammates before we got laid off for you to do the job that we did, you have to be insane because, you know, there are days you have to be a therapist. You have to be someone's friend, teacher. There's so many different roles that I play that I played in that job. That you have to be insane. And then you have to know how to pivot because the company is telling you to go to A and then they say all of a sudden you should be a Z. So you have to have the mental acuity and capacity to actually take that on and take it on with grace. It's not easy. Get to the award ceremony. They're calling the names down. <laughs> 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4. I'm like, I'm not going to get it. And I'm starting to get upset because I'm like, I busted my ass for this and I go but you know what I know what I did and I know what I did to help those people in the community Uh, there are numerous stories that I could have a hurricane episode alone about some of the things I did in stores to get people's phones to work and and stuff Um, but we'll save that for another day maybe I don't know if I'll even have that episode just because you know maybe I'll do it on the, the three year anniversary next year but I'm sitting there and I'm like, well, you know, I did what I, I I did what I could do, and I'm happy. Three, two, and then they get to my name and they mispronounce it. And the first thing I say, because I'm in shock because I'm sitting there, is they mispronounce my name and they're like, get up, <laughs> get up, and I'm just like, oh my god, I have this ridiculous hat on my head, and I'm walking. I just put it on someone's table. It was a ridiculous hat, but it was sparkly. I really wanted that hat. I. I I was so in shock. The moment was so surreal that I didn't even know 
how I got to the stage, one, and two, where I put that hat. <laughs> Go up there, take my picture, shake hands. Great. I come off stage, and I'll read you the, the second poem that I end up writing when, once I got back to my room. Sitting with my teammates, they all look amazing. I'm enjoying dinner with my family. The awards start to go out. Name by name, I have said my piece. I didn't expect to win tonight. Sitting at this table already means I am a winner. There are only 800 people who are in my position. The last name flashes on the screen. Cheers erupt from the table. That's my name that is called. I'm shocked. All I can say is that they said my name wrong. Then I realize it's my turn to walk across that stage. This moment I have dreamed about for many years. So many emotions that were felt. I couldn't even speak. Then I arrive back to my table to a sea of love. The people who inspire me, standing there waiting to hug me. I thought I was going to cry. I kept it together. I couldn't believe that I won. Uh, it was it was an amazing moment to come back and to be hugged, have a line of people my old boss came to hug me it oh man we worked so hard to get here and to do this and all these people love even during the hurricane it was hard times i had to stay two hours away from my house because it was hard to get back in the city these people's love and the compassion and them checking on me just being there for me really carried me through i did it i did it you can never say that i didn't this picture is here i won i'm a part of the history now, that plays well because I'm gone now, but it's a part that meant so much to me because I worked hard for it. I set my bar and I accomplished it. You can't take that from me. And that was the beautiful thing. I was so just caught up. I didn't like I remember my boss was like, hey, you want to go get a grab a drink? No, I don't I want to go back to my room. I got some frozen custard. That was so good. <laughs> I went back to my room. I ate it. I recorded a video to my son, my mom, and my dad. Um, I didn't cry, but I had tears in my eyes and just was talking about how I felt and everything that I did. And one of the state claims was, you know, I worked for this. I pushed myself for this. Didn't think that I would get it because I've always been the little guy. But damn it, this means that I'm here and that you could never take this away from me. The little guy won. And I was so proud. And to get back and have reps and managers in my territory who were like, oh, my God, you did it. I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy for you. Like, they knew how important it was to me, and they helped me get it, and they were happy for me. That type of love was so amazing. So to to begin kind of good, to go through a really rough middle period, and then to end on that note, it was it was something. And so 2019 was an amazing year professionally. Um, I win this award for 2018. Um, I get all this recognition so then i get to go i never got to do an unpacked which is a very prestigious event from the company and i wanted to work it that was one of my goals too well boom i wanted to work one i worked two i worked the double i got to go to san francisco and work that one and i got to go to brooklyn new york and work that one and they both were amazing events i got to meet a lot of great people network with leaders and i was just traveling every it's like every time you looked up at me I was going somewhere and I was doing something cool. And what I want to say about 2019 outside of the traveling, because I got to do it with amazing people, specifically Danielle and Margot, um, part of what we call the three amigos. 
if if I could say like Mama Margot will always be Mama Margot because she always looks out for you, but she's good to be around and and when I can do fun stuff. But you want to watch what you say sometimes because you feel like oh man, don't let me curse too much. I remember being somewhere. I think we were. I was near the cable cars because there was another young lady who was kind of hanging with us, and there was this man. He kind of had a weird outfit on and. In my head, I thought of the joke, and Danielle said it out loud, and I knew, and I looked at her, and I was like, you just said what I thought. I need to know who you are. And boom, we went around, um, we were near the pier, Pier 39, went down there, took the cable cars. It was a beautiful day before we had to go to work. That was the cool thing about this, Unpacked. We got to go enjoy ourselves before the work started. And... um, we used that as as a reason why we went to New York early, a day early, because we went into Manhattan, enjoyed ourselves. Then we went to work the next day. We learned how to try. You know, one of the things I, I, I tell you about working is if you have to work hard, you should play hard. I had a boss tell me that once before. That was Lou Rodriguez, and it was something I learned to live by. But I was traveling. I got to go through certain things and and. and the recognition, the spotlight, to be finally somewhere and to be respected for what you were doing was great. The other side of it is this is year two of me kind of being a, really pushing myself into the writing space. And I had goals to really push my poetry even more, do some spoken word, do some other things. And because of the travel, I wasn't as focused on it. Didn't mean that I didn't do it because when I looked at the end of the year, I had produced a good amount of poetry, Um, but I was hard on myself because it should have been more. And I say every year sets every year up. So 2019, great year. 2020 come in. We go to Vegas again, get ready to launch a phone. COVID hits. COVID hits. I'm like, oh, man. In my head, I'm thinking, okay, in my job, I'm done. So I prepare as I'm going to be done. But we're not done. We're good. Okay, cool. Um, But it was different. COVID was tough. You know, I remember being home for three months and really getting depressed for just being home. Um, And I'm I'm a type of person that is a homebody. And it was because not being able to see my friends. I learned a very valuable lesson about my introverted extrovertism is that I recharge in by being an introvert. But I love to be around and connect with people. I just need to recharge without them. And I couldn't I couldn't be around them. So all it was is that I was sitting in this holding pattern and it was tough for me. And yeah, it was it was tough um loss, you know, whether it's friends that have died. Uh my grandmother died this year. Right now, uh, my mother is in rehab cuz her legs are messed up. You know, I don't know how that is going to be. Um a, a, a friend of my family he's in an induced coma right now it's it's been a year of loss and then you know what two weeks ago we found out we're laid off we're laid off from our positions and so it's like <clears throat> what i've learned about what i've went through is just like it's kind of a seesaw effect in in this decade that if something good happens something bad is going to happen but then something good happens so Technically, by those standards, I'm on the bad swing, so my next thing should be the good. But I really don't want to look at it like that 
because really what I want to say is this year has been difficult for a lot of people, but it hasn't been as difficult for me. Yeah, I've lost. Yeah, I laid off. But when you look at 2017-2018, you know, I could say those years were really tough. But, you know, 2013 through 2015 was extremely tough. From losing to settlement of divorce, like, it was tough. So this decade took me from a very young man to now I'm an older man. <laughs> I'm still a man. I'm older. I'm a father. Um, I'm divorced. Um you go through things and you learn that the most important thing is to be resilient, but to also have reflection. That's why I talk about reflection so much, because if I didn't reflect as much about these events, I would I would be lost. I would be compounded in. I had a mental breakdown in 2017. It was really horrible. I lost a friend in 2018. I had a hurricane destroyed, but I forget about, you know, I can easily forget about 2013, 2015, where suicide was on my table every day. It was a thought that I lived and breathed because I was just so sad. So that, you know, that is your warp speed of, and one warp speed actually, but that is, that is this decade. It's been challenging. It's been a grind and hell it's been, it's been a battle. It really has. So, you know, we I've taken you through um, the last, not only 2020, but I've taken you through the last 10 years as we get ready to move to 2021. Um, and in this, what is your why? I really wanted to just kind of break down. You know, I wanted to take a step back from giving you the raw data, the raw information and some of the feelings and really just kind of leave you with what I took from it. So, you know, it, it's been a decade um, the question that I kind of wrote down was, what did I gain from the last 10 years? And then what did I lose? And did I have any regrets? The easiest question to answer is the regrets part. As human beings, we tend to say that we don't live in regret. And it's a beautiful postcard because <laughs> we don't want to seem weak. When I was writing this episode, I went, no, nah, man, I made it through. <laughs> but I'm so glad that I wrote this episode and I didn't just do it from a car function because it gives you time to think. It gives you time to reflect and it gives you time to be completely authentic and honest and transparent. And to be honest with you, it's the easiest question to answer because, yes, I, I, I do have regrets. Um I loved, loved, <laughs> it's the truth is, this is the truth. I will always love my ex-wife. Like I said, she was my best friend. She was, she knew me well. She took care of me. I took care of her. Um, I will always have love for her. I think the blessing that I received from divorcing her was, was stepping out of the bubble and realizing, wow, there are some things that she does that I, I they don't really gel with me they make me work harder in these areas when i like to work smarter so it, it's a blessing for us not to necessarily be together because in certain situations we don't see eye to eye 
there's an agree to disagree there. And you can agree to disagree when you co-parent. You can't agree to disagree always when you're married. Because if when it comes like if it was a finance thing, I'm way better at finances than she is. That agree to disagree would be hard because I'm very firm when it comes to finances. I'm not about making stupid decisions with money. I've had to I've had to pay the price for other people's mistakes for far too long. The one thing that I leave, will leave in this last decade is, and I go for it, is I will never pay for someone else's mistake again. That's it. The, this last decade, I pay for enough of them. I'm done. And so my regrets were, you know, how, how Best Buy ended, how it, it kind of put into flux our marriage and then what came of it, what ended up transpiring because in the end, um, when I took my vows, I took them forever. I didn't take them to get divorced. And so it was, divorce was really a struggle, not as much about her leaving me, but it was divorce because I was raised Lutheran and just, that was not something that you were going to do. You were going to push through and you were going to find a way. And boy, when I couldn't find a way, it was, it was, it was tough. It really beat on my soul. And so, yeah, I had regrets about that. Um, as far as any of the time with Samsung, I don't have any regrets there. I don't have any regrets. The one thing I can say, like I used to tell people when I, when Lucas, when we lost Lucas, I said everything I needed to say to him. So his death, even though it was shocking and it was sad, I was happy for him because he was a good person. And if he got to go and party with the cool kids, he deserved it. He was a very interesting soul and he walked on the face of his morality and his ethics. He didn't allow anyone to tamper with it and he challenged anyone to be better in theirs. And that is what made him amazing to me. Um, but yeah, I think my, my regrets come around, you know, marriage. Um, you, you think to yourself, if we don't have this child now, it doesn't compound a lot of things. I wish, the truth is I wish I had more time before we had my son because I think it's important for newlyweds to kind of to gel and we didn't really get that gelling period we our gelling period was around this baby and once it came there were certain things that affected her certain things that affected me and then it, and then the job thing happened it just became this spiraling dump and so yeah those were my regrets as far as what did I gain from the last 10 years I gained a stronger sense of self I learned to, um, I learned that I could suffer and I could just focus my energy into if, if I think one of my bosses said it best, if you give me a singular focus, I will destroy it at 200%. Because if you give me a target to focus my energy towards, I will analyze it. And I will figure out how to dismantle it better than anyone else can. And so when I knew that I had to get through the divorce and then process outward debt because I wanted to take off of her load so she didn't have to worry about it for our son, I had to process that. So I found a way to get a car at a good price, pay it off quickly so that I had more free-flowing cash. I really took this, the, the first, I would say, five years in this decade was really about outward cash, doing everything for everyone else. In the last five years, I spent my time bringing it in, being smart about what I save, 
what I spend and what I invest in. And I no longer was there leaks in my cash. No longer were there leaks in my finances. It's all hammered down and the decisions are better. So I gained a better financial grasp in the last five years of this decade than I did in the first five years. I gained a better awareness and a, an ability to speak to my feelings without being hurtful, but at the same time, not really getting lost in other people's feelings. Because a part of the problem in me is I'm a people pleaser. And so if I knew something was going to hurt your feelings, one of two things was going to happen. Either A, I wasn't going to say it, or B, I was going to skirt around it to try to make it pretty so that you could receive my message. Now, you really don't want to deal with me in these last five years because I will say something to you with love, but I will cut right to where it needs to be. I will tell you, you are screwing up. This is why you're screwing up. And if you choose to accept it, then you're going to grow. But if you don't want to accept it, then that's just what it is. One of my friends said something that was very powerful to me, and I would give it to all of you. Results and excuses cannot live in the same space. They just can't. You have to pick one or the other. And it's true. If you want to get the results, you can't have excuses. And if you have excuses, you're never going to get the results. So um, what did I lose? Of course. Of course, I lost that family dynamic. I, where the depression really was tough for me was not being able to say goodnight to my son every night. I really struggled with that. I didn't not sleep well. I'd wake up at random times of the night from 2013 to 15. Oh, it was a struggle. Such a struggle. So my struggles just really, um, it, it compounded in those three years. It really did because I, it was tough. I was really so focused on what I did not have opposed to being focused on what I did have. And I didn't talk about this in, in the last segment, but the conversation my father had with me um, after I had my mental breakdown was, he's like, look, he's like, I get it. You, you're a great dad. He said, you're an amazing father. He said, I give you more credit than me. You do things that, like working with my ex-wife, how we co-parent, he's like, you do things that I've never and never will and never could do with your mother. Like my parents to this day still hate each other 30 years later. Like it's, it's one of the dumbest mysteries to me. My dad's remarried. My mom's went on. It's crazy. But what, they, what my parents didn't understand is I used their situation to teach me how I wouldn't be. And I held it close. One of the final events that I didn't talk about as well, and I'll get back to this conversation my dad said, in 2011 when I was married, the one thing I asked my parents to give me was a picture with both of them in it. I stood in the middle. They both, I, that's all I wanted. And they couldn't do it. They couldn't put their own BS to the side for what I wanted. I didn't care about money. I didn't care about gifts. I just wanted a picture so that I could have it up on my mantle and say, I was in a picture with both my parents. I'll never get that in my life. And that is one thing that um, it stuck with me. Because I could, I, I'll never get it. I'll never get it. And um, it just made me sad. Made me sad. It, it, it Honestly, <laughs> before I get back to my dad's conversation, I'll give you another story out of 2011. Um, it made me sad. Because I remember standing outside after... I had went and took a picture of my mom, went outside, took a picture of my dad and my um, my wife at the time, but my ex-wife now. Um, and I remember my dad went back outside and he was like, come back outside, so I will in a minute. I was sad. And, and my ex-wife asked me, she was like, what's wrong? I said, you know, 
I just wanted them to take a picture. And then I was like, you know what? I'm done. Go dance with your dad. We're about to go. And it became the shortest reception ever because I was like, I'm out. If people didn't want to play by my rules, I got to conduct the rules. And that moment for me is bold because I had a spark in me to speak with authenticity, to be authentic. But at times, because of the environment I was growing up in, I was raised in, I was raised to be quiet. My mother, the one thing my mother will say about me is, is that I got a mouth on me and that when I get started, you don't want, you want me to get started because I have a way of picking people apart, but not, not in a disrespectful way. I can come for your neck, but not in a disrespectful way because I speak from the heart and everything I try to do, I do it with love. If I'm going to pull, pull you apart, I'm going to try to do it with respect. And that's just, that's, that's just the truth. Now, the real question becomes, well, let me, let me, before I get to the question, the conversation, because I got off, I got all the tangent, I got a little excited, I'm sorry. The conversation my father had with me about being a great father and saying is that you have to focus on what you have and stop getting lost in the things you can't control. He said, because I couldn't see you guys, but every summer, he said, you see your son every, every week. A lot of dads don't have that arrangement. You, the, he said the easiest arrangement most dads have is they see their kids every other week. You see your son every week. And then if you call and say you want one more night, that's not going to be an argument. Like, I never had that. So he's like, you're getting lost because you can't tuck him in seven days out of seven. He's like, but if you're tucking him for four or for three or for five, you need to look at that as a win. And so it reminded me that you can't get lost in this I want it all type of proposition. You have to be grateful for what you have. And that's the sticking message to me for this decade is don't get lost in what you don't have. Be grateful for what you do. Question that's important after all that is if you could change anything, what and why? And I, th I thought about it. at first I was like, no, just like the regrets. No, man, I don't got no, I'm, I'm good with it, man. I'm good. Um, but when you sit down and you do some reflection <laughs> and you go, okay, what would you change? And to be honest with you, I would give up my job that I lost now. I would give up the award I won that was important to me. I would give up... Um, even success with the company to see Lucas be here with us. I would, I would give all that up for Lucas to still be alive today. And I, I want, I want to say this so that you understand the depth of what this means to me. My grandmother died in September of this year. You know, um, we did not have the greatest relationship as we got older when I was younger. I mean, she was my grandma. And there were some things that I had to take care of for the family for her because certain people didn't have the money they needed to take care of. Um, but we, I wanted to make sure we honored her. Um, Lucas was, was a different spirit. And if I could see him again, I would, I'd cash it all in. I'd cash it out. Hey, take my salary, take my this, take that. Um, that would be the only thing I would change as far as divorce and all that. No. It's got to happen. It, it makes you stronger. Um, it, it gives my son a, a different perspective to appreciate 
Um, as far as my ex-wife, there are things that she still needs to, she has not learned in this decade. She's only compounded them by keep, she kept digging a hole. I stopped digging a hole about, you know, five years ago, I stopped digging that hole. I just put the shovel down and said, you know what? We're going to draw the cards as we do here. And I really started focusing on self. That's how I got out of the hole that I was in. She's still in a hole and she's got to figure that out. I think my lessons that I've learned have come in loss. And so those first five years of the decade really set me up for this. Because like I said, uh, as one of the things I told my teammates when we all got laid off, it was a very emotional day. Ten years ago, when I lost the job, or what, eight, seven, eight years ago, I lost the job. I was not in the position I am in today. I didn't have money saved that I could go touch. I wasn't in a position where I could just go find a job. I've I've had a few offers on the table, but I'm not really going to go back to business until January 1st. And my soft opening for that is Wednesday when I'll start really th thumbing through this stuff. If I did not go through what I went through, I wouldn't be prepared for what I am today. And so every, I, the one thing that I'm going to leave in this decade is the good, the bad seesaw. <sighs> you know, it's a story of my life, but it, it's a story I don't want written. Every situation that happens is only to prepare you for the next one. If a door is closing, there is one being formed and prepared for me to open. And so they may not come at the times that I want them to, but they come because they need to. And so what is what is my why? My why is is being authentic, being being true to myself at the same time owning who I am and reflecting at current times and being smart enough and wise enough to own that and, and say to myself that this is what it is and not be afraid, not, not beat on myself about it. And just realize that with loss comes the ability to reinvent and with that reinvention comes the ability for opportunity. So <laughs> if I'm losing, I get a chance to reinvent myself. If I get to reinvent myself, new opportunities await. So why would I spend my time crying about it? Well, yeah, I mean, I enjoy my teammates. I enjoy the people I worked with. I'm going to miss them. Did I enjoy my job as much sometimes? Probably not, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so that's the trick to it all. And we have to, we got to be honest with ourselves. We lie to ourselves too much. That's the last thing I leave in the 2020. Don't lie to yourself. Be honest with yourself. You got to live in yourself. So don't lie to yourself at all. That's my why. So as we call to a close on 2020, I just wanted to take the time and, and give you, you know, this, this last part of it, whether the year has been good or bad, rather the decade's been good or bad, take some time in these last few days of this year and decade to reflect, reflect on your good, reflect on your bad, laugh, cry, 
cheer, do whatever you want. I know for me, I'm going to take some time to do all of that. I'm going to take in a sunset and a sunrise before the new year comes in. And um, I'm just going to enjoy myself and then move toward the next opportunity. I think that loss a lot of times is only sought as failure, but loss gives you the lessons to reinvent yourself, allowing you to move toward new opportunities. So as I call to close, just take the time to enjoy yourself. Take the time to celebrate yourself. Give yourself those small victories. Give yourself those flowers. Smell them as they bloom. Don't wait when it comes to being honest with yourself or others. Um, you're only you're only um, you're only jipping yourself if you do that. I think other than that, um, on Christmas Day I was given a present and a book that I wrote. And it's called Two Weeks Notice. I didn't realize I had 74 entries. I only thought I had 73. The reason, the funny thing about 73 and 74 were they were two-week notices to my current job that just laid me off. (laughs) But this was in May, so it was seven months prior. The opportunity, I was already manifesting it. So if anyone needs to believe in, in, in who you are, listen to me. Seven months ago. I manifested the energy to go ahead and start to move myself forward. I just never did anything in it. Who would? I mean, it's COVID. You're not going to make a move on uncertain ground, but that's when you need to make the move. So the move was made for me. It's the lessons in loss, man. You learn, you grow, and you move on. So as we close this year out, I wish you and all your families the best. I pray for your safety. I pray that you had an amazing holiday and that you, as we move into this new year, you have another amazing holiday. Be safe, um, but be kind. And remember, you are amazing, you are beautiful, and you are loved.